Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time rolling in with us, here's what we do. Every week-ish, most weeks, on Mondays, we love to just sit down and have some conversations about all the things we wish someone would have told us sooner. Okay, so those moments you walk into, whether it is your first time in a college classroom or with a roommate or trying to make friends or marriage, engagement, dating, maybe single when you didn't think you were single, motherhood. I mean, the list can honestly go on forever. I need to stop myself because we don't have that kind of time. But basically, it's these seasons you go into and you're like, I know other people have walked through this. There is someone who has been here before me. Why did no one tell me it was like this? Why didn't I know that I would feel this way or think these things, right? So that's what we do here. We take our past experiences and we're like, hey, I've been there. I know what it feels like and here's what I did or here's what I wish I had done differently. And so if that's you, if you have a story that you would love to share or a conversation you would love to start, I would love to hear from you over at at N-O-T-M podcast on Instagram. I love a direct message. I'm telling you, I don't know. I was going to say slide into DMs, but I feel like that has like some shady connotations. So I'm not. And now here I've said it. If it does, I mean, please notify me. I don't mean it in the shady way. I just mean I love to hear from you, right? So if you have an experience to share, make sure to jump on over there. Let me know. And if you love some of the episodes that you listen to or hear, hey, share those because that's always just super helpful. I mean, I can't tell you how helpful it actually is. So I would love it if you would share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, the person next to you at the red light right now, whatever it takes. Okay, that's what we're here for. Now, the rhythms of each episode are usually driven by conversations I'm having the most often. Okay, so I mean, granted, sometimes it's willy nilly, but most of the time, I base it on what it seems like I'm hearing a lot, right? The conversations I'm having over and over. And how do we open up a bigger conversation? So those who aren't quite ready to talk yet, or maybe they don't even know where to start, they realize, okay, I'm not the only one that's feeling what I'm feeling right now. And so the past few weeks in particular, many of my conversations over lunches and coffees and even sitting on my front porch have been centered around pressure, both real and imagined. Because there's a difference, right? There's real pressure that's coming in. And then there's the pressure we apply to ourselves. The pressure that we almost make up that comes from expectations or what we think someone might want us to do. And the stress related to these pressures can lead to physical manifestations over time, right? So as I really dug into this topic and thought, okay, how real is this? And what is the impact of this kind of pressure that creates a stress we don't know what to do with, it can slowly start to impact our mental and emotional stability. And in the end, if left unaddressed, can lead to a breaking point that many refer to as burnout. It's when you struggle to find joy in what once brought you so much joy. And I've been there. All right, my key strategy in addressing overwhelming pressure or stress for a long time was to just find like this nice little box somewhere in my brain and let's just stuff it down in there as far as it would go, okay? Until some poor unsuspecting somebody just happened to say the wrong thing at the right time and then everything would bubble to the surface and I didn't know what you would get most of the time because I didn't have the capacity to filter it anymore. I didn't take time to create and implement and sustain healthy practices for navigating the inevitable pressures because that's the thing. 
Growth has a tendency of happening under pressure. So pressure isn't always bad. We talk a little about that in this episode. I mean, not always. Okay, so let me say that. All pressure is not good pressure. But there is a kind of pressure and a healthy way to approach pressure that can create and some real growth, lasting growth. So I invited an old personal and no one told me friend, Kaylee, into this conversation because not only has she seen me at my most pressurized, but we've walked through so many of these maxed out seasons together. She's usually the first to identify them and to point out some release points that have to happen along the way. Within this episode, we'll talk about the breaking points we've rubbed up against, what we wish we'd learned sooner about healthy pressure versus unhealthy pressure, and what rhythms of life we've brought in to make sure we can navigate all of it that may come along on any given day. So here's, it's time we learn to handle pressure. Okay, so Kaylee, we usually bring you along only for the fun stuff. Fun time, girl. (laughs) Only for the end of month. What are you really into? And sometimes those flip to serious, but I need people to see the other side of Kaylee. And they've only had one other opportunity to see it. But you have, I tell you this all the time, you see things before other people see things. Usually you have this gift of discernment. Like whenever Kaylee and I meet somebody, nine times out of 10, I immediately trust and love whoever we have met. (laughs) Like it is an immediate, we're going to be best friends. And I will say 100% of the time, Kaylee, if she has said like, I don't know, something seems off or I don't know about that person. I'm like, no, they're great. Give about six months. And <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, Kaylee was right. She, she saw that coming. So that's sad. It is, it's, sort of it's, sad. it's also a gift. Like, yeah, I think it's kind of a gift. Cause I just don't, I have an immediate trust that isn't always earned. And mm. then I end up with the short end of the stick. A lot of times. So I think there's middle ground. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I trust no one. So we'll, we'll meet in the middle at some point. I immediately think you're about to do something that I'm not going to like. So we cannot be friends. But um, we have, I have personally been having a ton of conversations lately about pressure. So especially with 20-somethings, um, whether it's relational pressure or job pressure, you know, or expectations, all of the things of like this rising pressure and learning how to navigate it. And I know that because Kaylee has this gift of discernment, she can usually like spot these pressure points before other people or figure out, I think this is the route or even ask the right question. She's done it for me several times, asking the right questions to figure out what the pressure is. So that's why we said, Kaylee, I don't need to know what your skincare routine is right now. I need to know how you, how <laughs> it's you, the same. <laughs> it hasn't changed. I need to know how you're navigating these pressure points. I saw a study. I was just telling Kaylee this before we pushed record, um, like last week that's circulating and it was called women under pressure. And it said that stress and pressure accounts for almost 40% of illnesses in women. That is a high number yeah, of, of illnesses. And it just talks about how it manifest itself physically and mentally because women traditionally have obviously different pressures than men, but they're also more apt to add it faster and try to function under it longer, Hmm. um, than most men. So I started thinking, okay, when have I felt like, can I even relate to that kind of pressure? You know, like that seems big and I will remember, and I think we all can in the year 2020, Hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we can go back to March, April, and May of 2020 when all we heard about was how the world was just shutting down and no one knew what to do about it. And at that point, what my job revolved around was digital. So anyone who was in digital creation, digital anything, the pressure was through the roof at that point because that's all you, that's the only way you had access to people. And I remember laying in bed at night with chest pains, like physical chest pains. And I thought I had COVID. I was like, I think I have it. This is it it for me. I'm done. And I would lay there for a long time because my mind was always racing. And so in that instance, it was this physical manifestation of pressure and stress that I didn't know what to do with. And for some reason, for some people, pressure will paralyze, right? Like, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. And some mobilize. I was definitely mobilized by it. I was like, I'll just do more. Like, if this is how I feel and I can't calm down, I'll just find more things to do to reach some sort of threshold where all of a sudden I'll think I've got it all covered and I'll calm down. But what I asked Kaylee to do was look back and think about what are some moments that you felt that same heightened pressure? Like, let's find a point of relatability here. Cause I think a lot of listeners are probably being like, gosh, I remember one time that I was under this kind of stress and whatever. When have you felt that heightened pressure? And I also want to know if it paralyzes you or mobilizes you. I think I know the answer to that one for you. <laughs> I think, I think about 2020, um, and we worked together closely in that year. Um, and watching you just produce, 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 produce that, like, I can just affirm that, that, that was your chest pain, your stress and your pressure. I'll also say it birthed a really great playlist that I still listen to all the time. Do you? On Spotify. It's new worship. We love. I updated it today. I still update it. I listen to it probably four or five times a week. It's what I turn on in the mornings still. I like to keep it fresh for people. I don't know who's listening, but now I know. I, I am. And I share it. Like the songs I share on um at notm podcast are almost always from that playlist oh my goodness because it's the only way i find wow. new music i feel like i have purpose i literally added stuff to it today but yeah that season we were just figuring out what worked and what didn't and you're just throwing stuff to the wall and see if it sticks and all that and i was watching you do that and i think for me my pressure manifests physically first before it manifests you know my mind mm. i'm like i had an eye twitch i was joking with her i had an eye twitch for like a year and you know, they say it's like caffeine or it was, yep. it was fully stress and I just, I could not shake it. Um, I had like not chest pain, but that like anxiety that feels like you're, I call it squirrels in your stomach. You know, when you have that, like, where it feels like they're running around and they're like tearing around. I had that for forever. I still get that sometimes. Um, but I think for me, it's, it was not only like 2020, but like work after 2020, like mm-hmm. we're still going or we're going harder were we Isn't like that interesting like we yes. learned a certain threshold and I d- and I still don't I mean I still don't know how to come off of it I mm-hmm. can't like sit and not especially now that I've shifted working from home it's worse because I'm like I could be working on something right now like yeah, I have this time this yeah. space why am I there's no boundaries there's no yeah. like off clock yeah I think we still bring it into work and feel those pressures even more so now because it's like did we waste time? Is that the feeling? And so now we're pushing harder. But I think for me, like today, uh, my job on Sunday is pressure filled, mm-hmm. and but I enjoy it. So it's like, you got to know when to make a call. You got to know who's going to feel what way about something. And you just got to be on, on, on. Mm-hmm. And it's time-based and it's fast-paced and it's schedule. It's all of that stuff. And I think for me, I go home from a service on Sunday or whatever, an event, and I'm like, you want to take a nap? It's Sunday. 
I'll just lay there. I call them stress naps. And I tell people when I come back later that night for the next service, I'm like, yeah, I had a stress nap. And I just lay there with my eyes closed and my heart racing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I just had a shot of espresso. Because your is still going so hard. So that, for me, that's pressure weekly. Um, I think about pressure too of like expectations of people in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I'm trying to think about it relationally, but it also translates a little into work. When you have someone who's above you, ahead of you or whatever that has tasked you with something, or it's a job and you've been contracted to do something. I feel pressure when someone else's name is on the line mm-hmm. and it's not mine. Mm-hmm. Cause if it's me, like, and I drop the ball, well, that's on me and only I know about it. Yep. But if it's someone that's given me something or expects something of me, that like expectation pressure that paralyzes me a little more than it mobilizes me. Mm -hmm. I think the stuff I know how to do or the stuff I like, I get paid to do. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's go. Like, let's knock this out and I'll just have a stress nap later. But like the stuff that's like relational, those expectations, they just freeze me up sometimes because I don't want to make a wrong move. And you don't want to lose like that relational equity of if they've asked you to do it, they trust you to do it. And that's where, and I've said it, to in lots of conversations that I think at some points pressure can be a privilege. Like if someone has trusted you enough to task you with a job that comes with some pressure, it's because they believe in you Mm -hmm. and they see your gifting and your talents. And so they give you this to do because they think you're more than capable of doing it. And so at that point, I do think it's, it's almost healthy to feel a little amount of pressure because it means that you care. Yeah. You should want to be under a certain amount of pressure. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, nobody trusts you. No one cares what you're doing. No one wonders where you are. Yep. Yeah, like it, a little bit of that is good. And I think we think the answer is, I just don't want to feel pressure anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. feel it at all. And I just think there's a, there's just a healthy limit of pressure to feel at work and even relationally. Like, hey, I'm not thinking that I'm the source of your happiness, yeah. but if I can like meet some needs and the pressure of meeting those needs and making that happen, I just think there's a balance but we always get it off balance when it's almost like, I love affirmation. I'm a big fan of it and I get hungry for more of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I add more pressure because I want to hear you say, I didn't think you could do that. Yeah. I didn't think you could pull that off or I didn't like, I want to, it's why I work all the way up until a baby pops out of me whenever mm-hmm. I'm pregnant mm-hmm. is because I want you to know I can do it. I can do it. Like, and I'll return fast too. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me come back in a week. (laughs) I can barely walk. I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm here. What do you want me to do? So I think there's just like the healthy, what do you think are some red flags of when it's going from a healthy amount of pressure to unhealthy? Like Mm -hmm. when we talked about the physical manifestation, like, you know, this study talked about a racing heart, a knotted stomach, a squirrely stomach, as Kaylee would call it, some sweaty palms, their brain fog. Yes. I feel like that's new, a new thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that other people experience that, but it's also related to COVID. But outside mm-hmm. of COVID, I feel like I get in this place where I'm mobilized, but my brain is paralyzed because my brain is going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I'm starting to like, what was I working on? Mm-hmm. Oh, but there's this. I just get in those zones where it's like you walk in the room, you're like, what did I come in here for? It's that like times 100. And when you have, the more that you move up and progress the more things you have to do, which increases the Mm -hmm. pressure to get them done, especially if you're leading a team of people to get something done. Um, And I, I started having to reframe. It's almost like the pressure can be a privilege having to reframe the pressure. Like, is this an opportunity instead of a threat? Cause Mm -hmm. I think anytime we feel that pressure, we immediately feel a little bit threatened. Like, 
because something's hanging in the balance. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't feel the pressure if you didn't feel like something yeah, was if hanging. It didn't matter. Yeah, if if something was hanging in the balance. And so, if I could just like sit down and work out the high pressure situation and be like, okay, is this an opportunity or is it actually a threat? Like, is the other side of this growth or is the other side of this I'm taking ten steps back because I'm not maintaining healthy boundaries here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not protecting because if anyone feels the pressure like my response to pressure most manifests itself on my family Mm -hmm. like on my family and friendships like they're the first things that go out the window when I feel pressure because I'm all almost always going to fold to the proving rather than okay let me set that let me separate this and figure it out our instinctual response which is why I think it's so physical is let me just show that I can do it I'll just do it yeah I can do it all yeah but have you, is there anything that you're like, okay, this is becoming an unhealthy amount of pressure for me. Like I've, some boundaries have broken down mm-hmm. for me. Some, some things have broken through whatever barriers I thought I had. Yeah. I think when you know it's unhealthy pressure is when your boundaries are broken and you can't, your recovery methods aren't working anymore. Mm-hmm. So like I, I know for me, I've put into place a lot of really good um, boundaries just for myself mentally and spiritually and all that good stuff. And when I'm doing all of those things, I'm not skimping, I'm not putting work before whatever, and I still can't recover and I still wake up and I'm ticked or I'm chippy with people or something really small and insignificant just ruins my day and I can't pull myself out of a spiral, that's when I know like, okay, this isn't, this isn't healthy. This mm-hmm. isn't good pressure. This is like, you got to figure out there's something deeper going on. Mm-hmm. And it's always something deeper that I've probably made up in my mind or some bitterness or even something as big as trauma that I've not like actually named and worked through and it's triggering me in some way. And so those boundaries, those healthy things that I've trained myself to do when those don't work, I'm, I'm out. What are some of those things? Like some of the rhythms or practices that you have in place to offset? Because I also believe high pressure is seasonal. Mm -hmm. Like there are, seasons I mean I think even if you're okay let's say you're outside of the workforce I think high pressure seasons are holiday seasons yep. have a whole lot of high, because what circulates around holiday seasons like expectations yeah, family yeah family that are carrying expectations that you're like all of a sudden I've got to answer to these mm-hmm. I've got I to gotta have, be here and there at the same time yeah I got to show that I can I can handle all of it I think it's all kind of cyclical and seasonal and so what do you put in place like when you recognize okay this is a high pressure season coming through mm-hmm. what practices or rhythms are you like okay this has to I have to do this to offset what I'm gonna feel yeah this is gonna sound like a really churchy and b like duh but sabbath for me in the last year and I've really only had like a good year of practice with it has been a game changer and I think and I've had a conversation with a coworker, and she's like yeah but what is sabbath like help me that's her word for the year and she's just trying to navigate what that means and I get that but for me it was like I need a day And it doesn't have to be 24 hours, 12, whatever. Pick a day. I needed a whole day where I'm only doing things that fill me. So if it is a drain, I'm not doing it that day. If I can help it. And you have stuff you can't Mm -hmm. help. You got family. Mm -hmm. You've got kids. You've got work that happens. Um, But I prioritize that day. And it just means I don't have to be anywhere at a certain time. I don't schedule stuff that I'm not excited about. Mm -hmm. So I'll still go to the gym. I'll even do laundry. That's not a drain for me right now. If it becomes one, I'll kick it to Saturday or whatever the other day is. But I have to honor Sabbath day. It's spending time with Jesus slower. I'm not rushed to the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's keeping my calendar clear. Um, unless it's something I enjoy meeting with people that I enjoy, but not the people that drain me. Those mm-hmm. are, that's real. That's a thing. Put those people on another day. 
but just honoring that Sabbath has been huge for me. Um, I've talked about this on here before it's been years, but journaling is still a process, um, and a practice that I do that I love because I'm a verbal processor, but I live alone. Mm. So if I'm going to, I figured this out the hard way. If I'm going to process it, I can't be yelling at my coworker or verbally processing something super heavy and emotional at work. Like that's not Mm -hmm. fair to that person. I've done that to you before when we Mm -hmm. worked together. Um, I can't do that. So I've had to learn how to take that in uh, process externally on my computer and just type it out, process it with God, process it with myself. Um, And that was keeping me from outbursts Mm -hmm. at work, which happened, have happened and will happen to you. Um, so those two things have been huge. Um, and then just processing with counseling when it's in season, I'm not in a season of counseling now, but I want to be, um, making choices like that matter because it's priorities. Like at the end of the day, you can get your nails done or you can probably go to counseling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I'm not a big nails girl. So I'm sorry if I came for you, you're a big nails girl, but whatever it is for me, eating Chipotle, however many times a week, like Mm -hmm. cut that out, make a priority, do something Mm -hmm. else. There's something about just the getting it out on paper too, like that whole journaling aspect. But for me, I can't sit there long enough to like write it. And that's why I like that you said you do it on your computer because my brain, my thoughts move so fast that I want to be able to type it out. And you've talked a lot about how healing it is to be able to go back and look and be like, okay, three years ago around this time, here's what I was walking through and here's the growth Mm -hmm. I've experienced. Like I can, Mm -hmm. you can mark it and see it. Um, but even the concept of a Sabbath, I've been reading, um, a deeply formed life by Rich Velotis. Yes. I want to read that. Right. And it, you have to do it in chunks because he's like, he's pretty deep. He's Mm -hmm. like, here's what I want you to think about. But his whole thing is his whole premise is a deeply formed life only comes from silence and solitude, like learning those practices. And he said that's daily, but also he talks a lot about the protection of a Sabbath Mm -hmm. and, um, he says that I think it's really hard to have a deeply formed relationship with Jesus or an intimate relationship with Jesus without learning the practice of silence and solitude Mm -hmm. and observing a Sabbath. And he just gives all those examples of Jesus away. Um, when he, he just leaves. And I don't know if you've watched the chosen at all. I'm not caught up, but so like, don't spoil it. LOL. I know. I'm know not going to, I will, I will say this is probably like the third episode I've talked about it on, but I fought it for a long time. I, I did was too. Like, this is going to be cheesy. That's why I'm behind. Yep. I'm like, this is going to be, we just finished season two. Like okay. just like last We're week. about the same then. Yeah. But I love that Jesus is like gone. And when he comes back, the disciples are like, where have you been? And he was like, essentially I needed to be away from you. Yeah. I needed to be by myself. Yeah. Like I had to go talk to my father. I had to go see what was going on with him. Um, and that's also how he found direction though. Mm -hmm. That's how he knew what needed to happen next. That's how he had that confidence to know what was happening next because he went and was spent, spent time in solitude and just silence. And I think for me and why this sounds churchy and I cringe to even say it is I'm 31 at this point and probably for the first time in my life, do I get up every morning and spend time with Jesus? I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't have to be all of that stuff, but I think church culture growing up quiet time was just so just held up and Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it and all of that. And then when I needed that word every day, or I needed that solitude, that silence to hear from him, to even know how to, how to live. I started doing it. And like, just, I protect that. Like I set my alarm for that. If I got to make sacrifices as far as how my hair looks that day or coffee or whatever, I will sacrifice it to like Mm -hmm. follow that routine. And I have it down pat. I mean, it's like, it's so sweet to me 
and I'm there are people out there that have done this for years and they're like wow this is so silly but like I literally it's been a game changer just protecting that morning time and then protecting that whatever day I pick for Sabbath um, has been huge and I think I think we take it for granted because we're just like, oh yeah, I read my Bible today. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I checked it off my list. But it's just so much more than that. It's it's like actual life sustaining stuff mm-hmm. that you get when you spend time with Him and you sit and you listen and you turn off the music and you turn off the stuff. If you can protect that time, um, I know everyone's different, but it's been just huge for me. Well, that's what um, I was listening to a podcast from John Mark Mark Comer yes. um, last week. And I will say his two part one, that's like joy part one and joy part two is just great. Like I'll probably go back and listen to him again. They were so great. But within it, he again also talks about the practice of a Sabbath and the learning to have joy and all of these things. But one thing he said that stuck out, he said the church's greatest enemy is not what you think it is. The church's greatest enemy is distraction. Mm. Like, that is the church's enemy because we live in such a distracted prone world right now. And so even when you said, you know, take the music away, take like, take everything away because he was saying the silence part is what he was was like, he said, yeah, have your Bible. He said, don't hear me. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. He said, I'm a hundred percent saying read your Bible, but I am saying like, what would happen if you just sat there and with everything closed, you weren't even trying to write anything down and you just said, he said, your mind will wonder mm-hmm. and you're, because this is a discipline that takes time, but you're also creating space for perspective. Yeah. And I've thought about that, like these quiet times, people can do them at any time. I know some mm-hmm. people do them at night. I have to do it first time, uh, first thing in the morning because I need the perspective for the day. Yep. And when I'm doing it consistently, I'm no longer as reactionary to outward things. Right. So anything that happens outside of me, I can check myself almost mm-hmm. like, cause I have the correct perspective and be like, okay, I'm having this reaction to this right now. Why? Mm-hmm. Like what is, what's going on? And then in that moment, it's almost a little bit easier to be like, Holy spirit, I'm going to need you to guide me through this right now yeah. because, because I have oriented myself around him for the day. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like a daily thing. It's not a, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and it like, feels so silly, I but know. like, it's so important. And even like talking about distractions, like not grabbing your phone first thing, Cause this is something I did this last night and it ticked me off that I did it. I was home early. Like I had stuff I needed to do today. And so I was ready to get up early. I was excited about it. I was like, you're going to just go to bed when you get home, get some good eight hours. And I laid in my bed. I'm not kidding. An hour and death scrolled on my phone for an hour. And you don't even have TikTok on your phone. No. See, that's what TikTok will suck I was me in solely so on Instagram. <laughs> For an hour, I was so what mad at myself. What were you researching? You were, Nothing. you were diving deep into this. I looked at mascara. I looked at <laughs> lash serums. I looked at fitness videos. My people from the day, I hadn't been on Instagram all day because it was a busy day. And I felt behind and like I didn't know what was going on in the world. And I scrolled. How do I have enough to scroll for an hour mm-hmm. is my question. Mm-hmm. But like that sort of thing, if I wake up in the morning, that's what I will do. I am naturally going to grab my phone. I am naturally going to scroll. I'm going to check my email because they're in there. I'm going to check all my notifications. I have got to wake up with my special little sunrise alarm that's not my phone, so I don't touch my phone, go make my coffee, grab my Bible, and start there. There's really comfort in that routine, too. Yeah. There is, like, a little bit of comfort in that routine. And I have to – I'm going to ask you what your process is. But I have to – in college, I read this book. I'm pretty sure it was A Merry Heart in a Martha World. All right? Oh, yeah. I think I did Merry Spirit in a Martha World, but the same vibes. Yep. I mean, it's a throwback book. But it was really formational Mm. for me in college. Um, 
because I think my pr- my need to prove started in college because I was the first one in my family to go and I just really wanted to show that it like all the scholarship I got mm-hmm. was worth it like it all started in college for me but I very much was very Martha oriented rather than Mary of like let me just get this done but the book opens with this like premise of okay let's pretend that your heart is a house all right and you roll in the front door and you know you go into this room real quick or no it's first thing in the morning you walk into your house and let's say there's like this sitting room over to your left and Jesus is hanging out in that room and he's just kind of waiting for you to come and sit with him for a little bit before you start your day you all made that agreement you knew he was always going to be sitting waiting in there and you said but over and it said but over time you start feeling these things you have to do and the pressure from the things you have to get done for that mm-hmm. day. So your first thought in the morning is like, our, our pastor has said this, um, your first part, the first thought in the morning instead of, um, okay, oh, good me Lord, it's morning. <laughs> good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. Yeah. Yes. So instead of like, good Lord, it's morning. I got yeah, so much like to do. Yeah. yeah. It's that flip in perspective. And so it talked about, but what we do is we, we rush down the hall and we go over this room because we're like, we have this meeting to get ready for, or I've got to get the kids ready this fast because we got to get to school early. Yeah. Like you see the trash can stuff needs to go out. Like you're going to all these other spaces and then you're like, hang on Jesus, just one second. Like I'll come back in this room that I can't even focus on you until I get all this done. Mm. I can't. And we use it as like, Oh no, I'm getting all this done so that I can sit at his feet. So Mm. I can't just like Martha did of like, Hey, I'm getting all this work done so we can all come sit at your feet and have little snacks while we do it, you know, and be feel good about it. Yeah. And feel (laughs) like I I contributed in some way. Whereas Mm. Mary's immediate response was, I'm just going to sit here. And I'll always think about like how, in the morning when I start either I've grabbed the phone to like read some emails real quick or to see what text messages. Cause y'all I go to bed early. And so right. there's if stuff there. If you're sending a text past eight 30, I will respond to you at five 30 the next morning. I just, I'm not awake. Um, but I'll like, I'll start looking at stuff and then I start thinking, then that gets my mind going mm-hmm. on what I have to get done. And I think I'm doing Jesus this favor of like, I'll come back to you. Yeah, you're like, clearing the way. Yeah, like I got to clear my thoughts so I can actually spend time with you. And so off of that in the mornings when I go and sit on the couch um, and have, I have just Bible and I usually pick a book of the Bible that I'm working through for any season and just trust that God's going to use that book. <laughs> like right. Maybe it's what I'm curious about. Maybe it's one that we started hearing from at church. Maybe it's one I heard someone t- teach from on a podcast and I'll work through the entirety of the chapter. I'm not a verse a day girl. Like... I want to know the whole story. I want to know the whole context, all that kind of stuff. But I do that. And then I have my notebook because I write down my prayers because my brain just, I can't just sit and quiet and pray. But I have to, to calm myself down. I genuinely have to, I've told my small group this. I have to envision Jesus sitting next to me. Hmm. Like in the moment when I'm like, gosh, I hope this happens. Or, oh, I didn't finish that yesterday. I've got to get that done today. Or, or even the big questions of what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. Like what's, Mm -hmm. whatever. I can only calm down when I visually imagine, okay, he's sitting next to me right now. Like Mm -hmm. he's just showing me something. It's like, he's pointing at something in the Bible and like, Hey, pay attention to that part or get, you know, like I have to be visual about it at this point for it to, to calm down enough because I still, and I do think it's left over from 2020. I have a hard time calming down. Like, and not just trying to get stuff done. I'm still working through that. Yeah. That's my process in the mornings. What's yours? Yeah. So for me, like I try to do, and I got that sunrise alarm solely so that my alarm sound from my iPhone does not send me into an anxious spiral just from the noise Isn't of it. Isn't it true if you even hear that on the TV now? I can't. It's- <laughs> it still makes my heart race. What is that? 
if my phone rings and my ringer's on, I'm anxious. So I don't, I don't even turn it on, but I switched to the alarm just to have a softer wake up. I literally will go to the bathroom. I will walk to the kitchen. I'll probably wash my face. I think I wash my face. Yeah. Go to the kitchen. I start making coffee. I do a pour over thing. So it's a process. And as I'm doing that, I'm like getting my stuff out. I sit in the same spot on the couch. I have a Bible. I have a notebook. Sometimes, sometimes I have my computer to journal and Evernote. But I've learned more often than not, when you open your computer, it's already on your email or wherever you were last working. And I struggle to swipe over to the journal. So I try to not touch that till later. Um, But I have that. We're going through, um, you remember Solo Devotional? Yes. So the girls in our Mentoring Together project are um, going through that, which is great because it just gives you scripture. Yes. And so... If I'm not doing that, I'm also, I do what you do. I read through a book of the Bible, um, but I go slow. Like I will read uh, a section for context. I don't normally get to a chapter, but a section and I'll read until I get a nugget until I'm like, Ooh, that word or like, Ooh, God's pointing at this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the same spot on the couch, same notebook, same Bible I've had forever until I feel like, Oh, there's something here Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and then right now with these girls, we're working through solo. And then after we read every day, Monday through Friday, we send each other the nugget. So mm-hmm. that way we're having accountability. Yeah. And then after I send them the nugget, I'm back with Jesus. Like that part gets a little tricky because I'm like, ah, I got my phone in my hand, mm-hmm. but I put it down. I only text them. Even if I see other stuff, I text them, close it back to my handwritten notebook. I'm going in on what my nugget was like mm-hmm. processing it a little more just for me. And then I usually write my prayers too. Um, but that gets a little I get distracted with the prayer writing because mm-hmm. I want, I pray faster than I write. Yep. And so I just have trouble, but I do write stuff down. And lately I've been praying. I've been doing a practice of praying for someone, whoever it is at the day that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. And it's so mm-hmm. silly. Um, everything I'm saying is silly, but <laughs> I pray for someone that's frustrating me or that seems to be an obstacle in my life or I'm having a difficult time with. And it has been a game changer. It is really hard to maintain like negative emotions for mm-hmm. someone you're praying for. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very difficult. I'm telling you within 24 hours, yep. I had a little heart shift. The first time I did it, I was like, I hate this. Second day, I was like, oh, okay, God, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's toughy, but still yep. trying to do that. Yeah. Even when you don't want to, but mm-hmm. it is like, I remember saying it to our friend Brooke, like maybe you need to pray for him. Like yeah, just pray for him. Pray for that person because it's really hard to be ticked or like rage against mm-hmm. them or bitter or resentful. And it's not a trick. I used to think that was a trick. Yeah. I was like, oh, you just want me to pray for him. So like <laughs> I can feel good. It's not, it's a literally a heart change. Like he'll yeah. do it, which yeah. is cool. Do you ever, sometimes I struggle with this specifically for like, the podcast or uh, if I'm writing or whatever, and maybe you do it because of, you know, you want to have a nugget to send to your group. Do you ever have to stop yourself and be like, okay, I'm only reading right now so I can get something good to send to somebody. I have to catch, like really catch myself Mm -hmm. on that because I will find myself reading and trying to think like, Ooh, what's going to impress them this time? Like what's going to really change their perspective or their heart instead of what's changing me, you know? Yeah, I do. I ask myself, especially if I want to like post it, because I love reading scripture. I love sharing it. Like that's just part of who I am. And so a lot of times I want to post what I'm reading or my nugget. And I'll ask myself these days, and I haven't posted a lot lately, so apparently I'm learning. But it's like, is this for me or is this mm-hmm. for someone else? Mm-hmm. And if it's for someone else, I could text it to them. If it's someone I that God puts on my heart, if it's for my Instagram, yeah, sure, it'll end up there. Mm-hmm. But I'm always asking, is this for me? Mm-hmm. Is this just for me? Yeah. And sometimes it's like, 
yeah, it's just for me this hour. And then as I get to lunch break and I'm still noodling on it, sure, maybe it's for someone else or maybe it's just something I can process. But. Well, and sometimes it still has work to do in you before yeah. you share it with anyone else. Because there was, um, and I was actually very excited, but from that John Mark Comer, I shared something the other day and it said that God will never pit obedience against joy. Hmm. Like your obedience is, is not, even if it's painful in the moment, what he's teaching is like your obedience is not going to rob you of joy, even if it's painful and it's not something you want to do. And it's not something you look forward to. Even that means that there's a bigger picture joy at play. And so he was teaching out of Philippians and he was talking about how it says like Paul just gives you step by step of how you live in joy. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's his whole thing. But I had a couple people who messaged and they were like, what does this mean? Like unpack this a little more. Like I don't understand what it means. And I had actually heard that probably like last week and had to spend time on it Mm -hmm. myself because I was like, yeah, I know I get it, but it will sometimes steal joy for a minute or you won't feel, you know, like I, I had all these like reasons why I didn't know. And so I had to dig in deeper into Philippians and into like, what is obedience? Mm-hmm. What is, and what is joy, what is joy? Yeah. and all of these things. And I was able to explain that answer. But I think in the, like the Instagram world that we live in right now, and like social media world that we live in, we want like a feel good nugget mm-hmm. instead of something that's really changing us. Yeah. Instead of something that's really shaping who we are yeah, or something you have to chew on. Yeah. Just tell me the front and the back right away. Like that mm-hmm. scroll on. Yeah. Like yeah. I just want, I just want a, a good shot of feel good real quick. And then I just want to move on. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to have to dwell on this at all. And that's what makes me sad. We are so far away from pressure right now, but I still, I enjoy don't, this conversation. Don't succumb so I- to the pressure <laughs> of staying on topic. <laughs> But it does make me sad. I've worked with several um, authors over the past year and they, one of them has like a huge like blog email following, mm-hmm. right? Like to, that blew my mind because I was yeah, like, we're still, still doing blogs? newsletters. Like, yeah. What I mean, I kind of do. do you, and then I thought, well, I kind of do too. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> but these um, publishers, the way it works on this side, just a little backstory, publishers will reach out and say, hey, Ken, I have this new author. They're releasing this book. Can they write a blog post for you? Because her readership is so oh, high wow. and her email open rates are so high that they want to get them on her blog and in her email family or whatever, so that it get it's a shot in the arm for their book, right. For publishing. And so she is adamant that like, we're going to check theology. We're going to check mm-hmm. like belief systems. We're going to check even the words that they say before we agree to this. And she says it on the front end to the publisher. There's this whole little thing you have to send them. That's like, Hey, we got to check this, this, and this, and we'll let you know. And what made me so sad, Kaylee is a lot that came through is that publishers aren't looking for people based on they have something really influential or not influential. They have something really deep and meaningful to say that's mm. really going to shift your perspective and that's going to actually lead you to a, a growing intimacy with Jesus. Like, they want it to come off the shelf. They want it. It's based on what your platform is now. Wow. So it's not even based on the depth or understanding you might have of it. It, a lot of it, and I'm not saying all of it, right? but I kept running into it when we would research these people was a lot of it was just like, they had huge followings, but not a lot of substance. Yeah. And what made me so sad is these huge followings are having their faith shaped. Yeah. I mean, I have authors like, like strolling through my head right now, just like this scenario books we would review for small groups or whatever. And you were like, wow, they have a hundred thousand followers, but the message is crap. And it's because we are going 
our our relationship with Jesus, I really feel like, especially for those newer followers, I mean, we were shaped by like '90s Christianity, which was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like know it, just claim it, yeah. say it, don't sin, well, yeah, <laughs> like just like in a nutshell, don't screw up, right? <laughs> so, but there's like this almost like for newer followers of Jesus. It's like a, there's been this like perspective shift because they have access to so much more mm-hmm. content. Like we didn't have access to this much content. I have Instagram. So, yeah. So like we literally, we had like the Bible yeah, and, yeah. and maybe the fancy veggie Bibles. Tales. The Veggie Tales are like the FCA Bible that yeah. was like, here's how the word applies to sports. Or, Love that. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we didn't have all of these resources. Yeah. And I think there are incredible resources right now, but there's also resources that aren't actually helpful. Mm-hmm. And are creating this like shallow faith almost of just feel good, like yeah. feel good about it. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it was hard even for me with the John Mark Comer quote, like obedience is never pitted against joy. That's a deep thought. Yeah. You got to really is, think about that. You have to lean into it and understand it because like it's, it's just a it did. I had to dig into it, but there's so many that are just scrolling for a feel good moment. Mm-hmm. And it's these moments in the morning when like you are developing your own intimate relationship with Jesus that are, should be shaping you more Mm -hmm. than a quote you like. Well, and then when you see the quote, you've got enough with your personal relationship to know, ah, that's not fully there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice. But like, there's more to this than Mm -hmm. just this picture in front of a flower field with the scripture posted on top of it. Yeah. Like there's more, yeah. there's so much more and but you're then, just seeing the reflection of it. But then I feel conviction because there are sometimes I'll read some of these quotes or something that's just like blowing up. And I'm kind of like, well, duh. Like, right. Is this, right. <laughs> is this Jesus loves you? you. Oh <laughs> yes, he does. You're right. But that's just that the shift in like publishing and like who's, it made me sad for our generation and the generation behind us because it's, it's content overload Mm -hmm. and it's not actually always helpful. Yeah. And it's not teaching you like a a deep water understanding of who Jesus is, what he did and what that means for you personally, not just broad stroke. Well, and I think too, we're talking about Sabbath and time with Jesus and routines and things that protect us from whatever it is, burnout, pressure, all that junk. I think the older I get, the more it is silly, like the more it is the stuff they've been telling me it is like, it's always been time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's always been that. And I look different in different seasons of my life than it does now. And it'll look different after this and I'll have a different routine and all of that. But you cannot move forward without moving forward with him. Mm-hmm. Like I just am learning even like daily stuff. Like if I'm going to go to work today, I've got to sit with him mm-hmm. or I'm going to, I'm not going to make it. I mean, I'll show up, but I'm not going to be useful mm-hmm. or I'm going to have an attitude problem or I'm going to gossip about my coworker. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not going to have it. And it's, it's just so silly to me that I have spent all this time thinking, ah, oh, that's just a checklist yep. item. And it's so much more, there's so much more for me there yeah. than just reading my Bible to say that I did it or to even get a nugget. There's just so much more. Because you've wanted, I think we spend a lot of probably the decades of our 20s almost being like, okay, and what else? Yeah. What's next? You know, like, oh, okay, I'll do that. That's great. I believe that that will be great for me. I will do it. And what else Mm -hmm. do I need to do? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I get where I want to be? Yeah. What combination, what equation do I need to try to get to? And that, again, creates this faux pressure, right? Mm -hmm. There's, There's just a difference between like real pressure that you have to respond to and learn 
something about and, and, um, meet the needs that come with that pressure. And then that's like outside factors. And then there's just like this faux pressure that we create for ourselves, right. Mm -hmm. That we just kind of tack on and because not all pressure is real. Some is imagined. How do we, I wish I had learned this so much sooner in my twenties. This is what I always end up saying in conversations of like, if I'd learned this sooner, burnout would not have happened. Mm. Like if I had learned these practices, like the pressure that I was putting on myself, that was breaking me and not learning to differentiate and not learning practices to work through it. How do we train ourselves to tell the difference between real pressure, right? From outside factors that you need to respond to and the faux pressure that we're creating for ourselves that we just keep just layering on. Yeah. I think for me, I was thinking about when do I feel like that's faux pressure? And I think it's when I fill in the gaps with my own narratives. Mm -hmm. So did anyone really say that to me? Like, did they really ask me to do this? Did they really say this is high stakes or like, Mm -hmm. you know, those type of things or even like in relationships, is he mad at me? Yeah. Or did I just assume he's mad at me because he blew me off or ignored me? Did Mm -hmm. he really even ignore me? It's just, I know I've learned so much about my brain that I fill in gaps of conversations. I fill in gaps of interactions. Um, someone's having a bad day and they say Mm -hmm. a short word to me and I'm like, Oh, they're mad that I didn't do the project that I said I was going to do on the time. Well, no, they just had a fight with their spouse and they came to work and they don't want to be here. And I made a poor joke. Like, it's just, I fill in the gap so much. And I think for me just interpersonally, that's where the pressure comes from that like fake someone's mad at me or Mm -hmm. someone wants this from me. And no one ever asked me for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting that on me. Yeah. And it's, blaming it on them. It's when those assumptions become realities. Yeah. Right? Like, we, we've talked about this a million yes. times. It, it's like one of our greatest pet peeves when people do it to us. Yep. And, and I how often we're doing it. To <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate that. Stop it. But I, let me do it. But I'm going to do it to you right now. I'm just going to assume I know what, what you're yep. actually thinking and feeling and what the reality of this situation mm-hmm. is. But even when you said gaps, it made me think about, I had a friend, uh, a girl in my small group text me like last week and she was just having a hard time at work. And she said, I'm just trying to meet all these needs and I'm trying to like be there for everybody. And I just, I don't know how to do it. Like, I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm breaking under it a little bit. And a prayer that I had to start praying is I had to start, um, basically just showing up and saying, okay, especially in like the contract work I do now, because I can always go further with it. Right. I can always tack on a few more things. I can always do this, this, and this just to really push it over the edge. Like there's always more I can do because I'm essentially making the job Mm -hmm. as I do it. And um, my prayers had to shift to like, okay, Jesus, like I'm going to do everything I can do today. I am going to work with excellence and I am going to do everything that I feel you have called me to do. And then when I'm done, whatever gaps I leave behind, Mm -hmm. will you fill those? Mm -hmm. Will you come in behind me and fill in all the gaps? Because otherwise... I will go home and I will still be thinking of what else I could be doing. Yeah. I will lay in bed and not be able to fall asleep because I will think about what else I could have gone done today. So we just go ahead and handle those gaps. Will you just work in those, the spaces that I don't necessarily get to fill today? Mm-hmm. Because I would feel the pressure of letting someone down because I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so I would feel the pressure of like, man, they wish I had done more. They wish that I had you mm-hmm. know, done this when they don't even realize. And they're not an in option. bed at night no. thinking about what no. you did today. <laughs> They're just not. I think that too is huge for me. Like no one's thinking about me Mm. and not nobody. Like that's not sad. It's not a woe is you, but it's. But I, I think we just are raised to think like everyone's watching what you're doing. Everyone's thinking about what you're doing and everyone's talking about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. They're really not Mm -hmm. like the older I get, the more I realize, no, 
they're worried about their own stuff yeah and they're thinking i'm thinking about them mm-hmm. like we're just all thinking about the wrong things yep and did you ever watch um Grey's Anatomy yes okay did you watch the fullness of it or did you quit at some point most people are like I'm pretty caught up I'm like I've been watching the pandemic season which is amazing very triggering cry every time but (laughs) hey if you want to have more chest pains it's like season 19 or something click it on (laughs) I think I was watching it here's what I've learned about myself in my old age I can't watch a lot of medical stuff because it Mm -hmm. creates a fear of medical things for me I also can't watch anything apocalyptic Oh, I tried, interesting. I tried to watch. There's a new one that, um, gosh, what is it? Among Us or The Last of the Us? The Last of Us. It's okay. based on a video game plot. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, and it's a pop, it's a popalyptic. Gosh, that's hard to say. <laughs> it's a popalyptic. <laughs> it's a popalyptic. <laughs> I can't even say what you said. It's apocalyptic. <laughs> wow. That I tried to watch it one night. Um, which is not a great, like go to bed show, no. but I was just like, I just want to watch something. And I carried it with me for three days. Oh my like, gosh. I, I did. It was so sad. And so I can't watch any of it anymore. But yeah. anyways, back to the original plot. Grey's Anatomy. Do you remember the episode when one of the doctors was like standing in the hallway, like feet squared up, hands on her hip and her shoulders back? And someone came, she was about to go into a big surgery and someone came, they're like, what are you doing? And she was like, she called it a Superman pose. Yeah. You visualize. Yeah. And she was like, I'm doing a Superman pose and it's supposed to change the way you think about what you're about to walk into. It's supposed to relieve pressure. Okay. Yeah. This is a real thing. Yes. They included it in the study. It's called the (gasps) high power pose. Wow. And it says, according to studies, your posture is of paramount importance in achieving confidence and knowing that when you walk into whatever is next, you will walk in with decreased levels of cortisol. Hmm. So the stress hormone, so this posture and this pose decreases cortisol and increases testosterone, which is the hormone that makes us feel more confident and increases wow. our motivation and makes us more willing to engage in something that's high pressure. Oh. And so you're supposed to, it said you're supposed to stand straight straight back arms unfolded hands on your hip and your shoulders back yeah and your legs are like hip width yep and you're supposed to just stay you can either do it in front of a mirror or do it like before you walk into somewhere we used to do it that's so funny i thought it was just a kind of a joke like a visualization thing for sports like we would do it in front of a barbell a heavy barbell we put our hands on our hips and our feet wide and we'd close our eyes and visualize us making the lift it's called the high power pose wow and it's supposed to actually be effective that's kind of or cool. you could do what Kaylee and I did one time before a high pressure weekend and we just <laughs> did the electric slide for maybe an hour straight in the lobby because <laughs> here's the thing you can electric slide to any to song any, I am not exaggerating or kidding you turned on a playlist we were electric sliding to any song that came on it didn't what's matter. weird I thought about this the other day when we were talking about it the memory there were other people there working on something in the worship room and we were just in the lobby just electric sliding i want to pull the security camera footage we need to find it because some people would like come in the lobby do it with us for a second and then (laughs) go back to what they were doing (laughs) i can't i mean you gotta it's physical it's just physical listen if you're in ministry and it's easter weekend you do whatever it takes to keep going that's that's all there is to it and it took the electric slide okay you know how we end oh no (laughs) What is, are you still, um, 
It, this made me think about it. Remember when you started taking that natural supplement? Ashwagandha. Yes. Ashwagandha to help you sleep. Yes. Like you were navigating all the pressure and anxiety and you were trying a little bit of everything. I sure did. <laughs> do you I still sure take did. it? I do. It's different though. I take it with uh, melatonin at night. So you're supposed to cycle on and off of that stuff. I didn't know that. I figured that out. Like it starts to not have effects because yeah. it's just an herb or whatever. But um, Z-Quil, which is NyQuil, makes uh, a gummy for melatonin that has ashwagandha in it. Oh. And I'm, I mean, it's good. I only take one. You're supposed to take two, but that was like a little too much for me. Uh, I take one. I can tell that I'm not only calm, like going to sleep. I'm not taking a drug to sleep, but I'm also like relaxed before bed. And yeah. I, you're supposed to also cycle off of that, which I learned very recently. So I have not had it this week, but that's my go-to melatonin. Z-Quil yeah. with, and they also make it with chamomile, but that's not my vibe. I've chamomile's never had an effect on me. I don't get it. So like that or lavender in I diffusers, hate the way lavender smells when it's supposed to help you sleep. It no. does not help me at all. Fall asleep. Sure. Doesn't. I still diffuse though. I do too. I have a good one that just smells good. Yeah. I don't believe in any of it. I still, what the kids are sick, we'll put stuff just almost like placebo effect. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. just put it in their room and be like, I hope this helps you. Like, hope you feel better. <laughs> Good night. Hope you feel better soon. Love you. Don't come to my bed. I'm not bringing you any drugs. Just this. Just these oils. Um, so someone, and it's burning right now, got me a candle for Christmas. And it's from Chris Stapleton's wife's boutique. I need, I should have looked this up. Wow. I don't know what it's called. I didn't know she had a boutique. All I know about her is I went to one of his concerts when he was here in Knoxville. And um, I, she had just had a baby and she was on tour with him. And... I didn't know a whole lot about Chris Stapleton. I just, I do love him, yeah, sure. but I didn't know it. A, a How would you know what his wife does? Yeah, I didn't know. Um, but she came up to the, she was singing with him. I didn't know she always, oh, she always she sings sing. with him. Yeah. She always sings with him. I'm also really out of my depth. Yes. With this genre. Me, none of this. Yes. <laughs> she always sings with him. And I was there with a friend and we were trying to figure out who is this woman on stage? And she was like, I mean, honestly, it looks like the receptionist at my ortho, at my orthodontist office. Oh. And I was like, why? She was like, I don't know, like the black stretchy pants and like a cardigan. She's I just hanging out. <laughs> she was up there singing. And so for a moment we were trying to figure out like, is it, the receptionist from your orthodontist, yeah. but true story. It's not, she's a great singer. I love hearing her with him, but she has a boutique called Tennessee turquoise company. Oh, that's hard and to she say. actually has a shop in Franklin for it, but, um, they have these candles and someone bought me one of their candles. First of all, it burns slow. Uh, yeah. So like I can burn it for several hours and it is one, I mean, you can smell it right now. It's one that actually like fills the house yeah. with the scent. Yeah. Right. So it's not, and it's not a too like flowery. It's not too, I've just loved this candle so much. It's a great gift. And Tennessee it's pretty. Turquoise mm-hmm. Company? Mm-hmm. Tennessee Turquoise Company. Wow. And I only thought of it because one, it's burning and two, people say that candles are our generation cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> I feel like vape is our generation's <laughs> cigarettes. If we're being I'm just honest. telling you what I've learned. This is what I know. But you, I'm going to let you off with your ashwagandha. Yeah, like good. Z-Quil good. Because I'm, I'm like the things that I've been buying and sticking to in the last things repeats. that I've told you about, I'm still mm-hmm. using. Like mm-hmm. the sea buckthorn oil thing is a game changer. I'm still doing it. The hatch light, I'm still using it. I'm just in a season of Do you routine. have a silk or satin, satin pillowcase? I do have a silk one. And I try to change my pillowcase every other day depending on hair wash yeah if my hair is clean i'm not changing it uh but yeah i do that i'm proud of you i've noticed a difference personally with the silk pillowcase. it's insane it really is you think this stuff is hippie but it's you true. think it's stupid it's true trust us go order your silk pillowcase. no pressure though <laughs>